study will be starting up later in January, so be looking for all that. Pray about how you might get involved in um, you know, home fellowship or the different Bible studies that are taking place during the week here at Calvary Chapel, and we just want to inform you on all that. With that said, if you'll open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1, here at Calvary Chapel, we've been going through um, Matthew, and we're about ready to finish Matthew, and we just took a, a pause for the month of December, and I'm doing a series for four weeks, moving forward in difficult days, and I just felt the Lord put that on my heart. As we're in these days of confusion and difficulty and uncertainty, and uh, we'll finish it next week. Next week, um, we will be back in our normal times, 8, 9, 30, 11 o'clock on the first Sunday of the new year. And I'll finish with a title, in, uh, with a message entitled, uh, Run Your Race Well. Today's message is entitled, Being Strong and Courageous, and the Lord is calling us to be strong and courageous. And I want to uh, read from Joshua chapter 1. I'll be making references uh, to a number of different um, passages. And we're used to going through verse by verse and chapter by chapter. So I'll make reference to it. I'll read it. And you can follow along with us or just listen. Uh, I don't want you to get distracted and trying to find different places in the scripture. But in Joshua chapter 1, again, we see that Joshua is is being told that you're going to take the children of Israel into the promised land. And the Lord comes to him, and in verse 7 of Joshua chapter 1, that only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that it may prosper, uh, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, verse 9, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so, Father, we pray this morning, as we close the last Sunday of 2021, we need this exhortation. I pray that you would work it out in our lives. And as we look at scripture today and how we can be strong and courageous, we know that it comes from you. Strength, courage, wisdom, comfort, everything that we need. And Lord, I pray that we would be attentive right now and it would help us as we close this year and enter into a new year. We know, Lord, that um, there's been a lot of fear that has been brought to us, uncertainty, and I pray that we would be established in you. That, Lord, that, uh, that these things that we're going to look at and, and read about and the promises given to us, that they're true for us, to help us be established in you. Lord, to, to be able to move forward in these difficult days that we're in. So, Lord, thank you that we are here. I pray that we would remember to just turn our ringers off our phones and to be established in our seats, and to hear your word for the next few moments. And so, Lord, thank you that we are here. Teach us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
I think that most of us, we do know that as we journey through life and we're going to go through the trials and tribulations and the difficulties, Jesus himself said that you will have tribulation. Not that you might, but you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. And as we go through the difficult times, we can feel fatigue and we get tired and it begins to to really wear on us. And as we go through the trials, we know that we live in a fallen world, uh, that there's disease, there's sickness, there's sorrow, and the trials and tribulations are brought to us through the world and the enemy coming against us. First Peter chapter 4, Peter's writing to the Christians at a time when they're going through persecution, they're going through tremendous trials. And he said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. And we can think it to be kind of strange when we go through those seasons of hardships and difficulties. We begin to think that, Lord, are you punishing me? Are you judging me somehow? Lord, do you care? Do you see me? Does he know what it is that I'm facing? We begin to think that, Lord, can you help me? And are you even willing to help me? And what can happen is, is we become overwhelmed. We get discouraged. We get upset to the point of instead of drawing closer to the Lord, which we need to be doing, we begin to drift away from the Lord. We find ourselves really struggling and becoming weak spiritually discouraged spiritually. And the word of the Lord to us, given to us, all throughout Scripture is to be strong and of good courage. Paul, when he was writing to the Corinthian church, he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll look at it, the context of what he's writing when he says that, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's Joshua here as we opened up chapter 1 and read a few verses here. You know that Joshua, as you go into this book, that he is now told that you're going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. He had been one that had been faithfully with Moses for 40 years in Moses' ministry out there in the wilderness. And it was Joshua being Moses' assistant is what we are told. That he's seen all the difficulties and trials out there in the wilderness. Moses did not have an easy ministry. Here he is, the pastor of two and a half million people out in the wilderness for 40 years. And oftentimes they would turn against Moses, murmured and complained constantly. They would have a vote that we want to get rid of Moses as our pastor. And the vote would be two and a half million to nothing. So Joshua was there standing alongside of Moses. Faithfulness ministry to Moses and to the Lord. And at the end of the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 31, Moses tells Joshua, I'm 120 years old. I can no longer come in and no longer come out. And I'm not going to cross over into the, the Jordan River into the promised land. And the Lord is going to give the children of Israel over to you to lead. So I want you to be strong and a good courage. And don't fear or be afraid of them. I think about the men of faith in the scriptures. Nehemiah. Nehemiah who is building a wall around Jerusalem. Jerusalem laid in rubble. You see the 70 years of captivity would end in about 536 B.C. And Many of you, as we've gone through the book on Wednesday night of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and the minor prophets we've been reading about, that we know that the house of Judah would go off into captivity for 70 years. And then the decree came out from Cyrus 
that you can go back and you can rebuild the temple. That was about 536 B.C. And it would be almost 100 years later that Nehemiah hears. He's the cupbearer to the king as you open up his book. And he, he hears that the city's still in rubble and there's no wall around the city. That was very important for the safety of a city. So he prays and he asks the king, can I go back and rebuild the wall? And he was a man of great courage. He was a man of, of strength. And he would encourage the people and was there and a strong leader when they were discouraged. The enemy constantly threatening them. There was so much rubble that was laying around. They said, we can't do this work. And it was Nehemiah that said, don't be afraid of the enemy. God has given you great work to do, and he will accomplish that work. Some of the last words of Paul the Apostle given to Timothy is that we've already discussed in this series. As Paul is in that man or teen dungeon in a terrible place in Rome. And he says, Timothy, my departure is at hand. But is he encouraging Timothy? And he says, Timothy, that you be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because Timothy would have a difficult ministry as the baton of ministry is passed on to him. And he's pastoring the church at Ephesus. How is it that we can be strong and courageous in our walk and our journey in life, even in the trials and the difficulties that we experience that can wear on us and bring us down and weaken us, cause us to wonder in those times when we're hurting in our hearts? And I think that as we look at God's word, the word of God is given to us to help us to be strong and a good courage, to be established in the Lord. We need God's strength, don't we? We need God's strength in this new year that we're going to enter into. And it takes a lot of courage for Christians to stand for the Lord and with the Lord today, to live for Him. And it takes a lot of courage for us to be able to just move forward in the ways of the Lord. Because the world doesn't appreciate that when we do that. The enemy constantly is coming against us and wants to bring fear to us. And as I've said, that I think that over the last two years, especially during this pandemic, that more fear has been brought to Christians and to us. And it's not just a pandemic, but as we see that our nation, our culture around us is getting darker, uh, that is declining spiritually and morally, that, that we look around and we say it's so uncertain. What's going to happen next? And fear begins to grip our hearts and we wonder. And the Lord desires to strengthen us in the days in which we are in. So I want to give us six things that will help us to be strong and of good courage that we see in the scriptures. And I do want to read to you from Nehemiah chapter 4. And, and as I read it to you, Nehemiah going and, and building the wall around Jerusalem, rallying the people. And it was very, very difficult. In, in chapter 4, verse 10, I'll read it to you. As the enemy's coming against them, and it says that Judah said the strength of the laborers is failing, and there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build a wall. It just seems so overwhelming. And as we have tasks that the Lord wants us to do, or tasks in our lives, doesn't it seem like at times that it's just overwhelming? I got all this rubble around. Where do I begin? And that's what they were fe feeling. And our adversary said that they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So they're being threatened by the enemy. We're going to come and kill you. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came and told us ten times, 
from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. So the enemy kept coming. It wasn't just once. It kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. The enemy, Revelation chapter 12, is called the accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night. He keeps coming at us, trying to put fear into us, speaking lies to us. So Nehemiah, he says, therefore I positioned the men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families and their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your brethren and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. And as you read the rest of the chapter, they were able to, to finish the work. They were able to to, with a spear in one hand and a sword in the other, continue to do the work that God had called them to do. So number one, how do we become strong and courageous to remember this, that God is great and awesome. When Nehemiah was praying in chapter 9, he prayed that you alone are Lord. You have made the heavens and the earth and everything in it, and you preserved them all. God is so great and awesome. He created everything. There is no problem too big, no problem too complicated, situation too difficult for God to work. And I need to remember when I am afraid and when I am overwhelmed, and it seems like everything's falling apart around me and there's all this rubble, that my God is great and awesome. When the enemy's coming against me and trying to put fear in me, that Lord, you're the one that I am to focus on. Because what can happen is, is when we go through overwhelming times or difficult circumstances, we begin to get our focus on the problem. I have a tendency to do that because it's right there before me. And I begin to magnify the problem rather than magnifying the Lord and getting my focus on the Lord. And Nehemiah here, he's telling the people, you need to set your heart and mind on him, on the Lord. He's great and awesome. God has called us to this work, and he's so great and awesome that he's going to see us through. So fight. Fight for your family. Fight for your spouse and for your sons and your daughters, for your brethren. And God has set a work before us. The enemy wants you to think that there's nothing that God can do or will do or wants to do for you when there is difficulties and trials, that he's limited that he's unable or unwilling to do it. Jesus would say to his disciples, with man it may be impossible, but with God all things are possible. He's talking about salvation, of course, when he said that. But it is possible with God. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to healing, when it comes to restoring and strengthening, to bring his word to pass, his promises to pass. Jeremiah, the Lord said, is anything too hard for me? And of course, the answer is no, there isn't anything too hard for him. So number one, always remember that God is great and awesome. Number two, Deuteronomy chapter 31, as I made mention of that, at the end of Moses' life, I'll read verse 6 to you, that Moses comes to Joshua and says, you're going to be the new leader of Israel. And be strong and of good courage, and do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So number one, for you who are jotting down notes for this series, number one, you can be strong and courageous knowing that God is great and awesome. Second of all, that God is with you, and he will not leave you or forsake you. Oftentimes when we go through difficulties or we become afraid, 
or go through the trials and tribulations of life, that we can have a tendency to think that God has forsaken us, that he's not for us. Joshua is getting ready to enter into the promised land. The enemy that was there in the promised land that he had to drive out numbered the sands on the shores. Some of the enemies were giants. They had huge cities and huge walls that seemed so overwhelming. They had chariots. And Joshua needed to know that God was with them and would remain with them. In the hard times that we go through and difficult times, we can feel very alone. And I'm sure that some of you have felt that. I know that in difficult seasons that I've gone through, I can be around a lot of people, but I just feel alone. Lord, I feel so alone. And we need to know that God is with us, that he's not going to leave us. Remember the account in Matthew that we went through and the disciples are in a storm and they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. It's the third watch, like three, four o'clock in the morning. And, and they're afraid and it's overwhelming and they're trying to row and they're trying to get on the other side and do what the Lord told them to do. And then Jesus came walking to them on the water. They needed to know and to learn that Jesus saw them and he would come to them in their storm. The great and awesome God is with you. And he promises he'll never leave you or forsake you. We will see when we go through the book of Daniel, that familiar story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three young Hebrew men that were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. And they were told by Nebuchadnezzar that the most powerful man on the face of the earth, you will bow down to my image or I'm going to throw you in the burning, fiery furnace. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. These three young men that said that God will deliver us. And you can throw us in the burning, fiery furnace, but we're not going to bow down to your image. And as we say, we're not going to bow down to the image of the world, that we're going to be faithful to God. There's going to be the enemy there that's going to want to roast us and throw us in the burning, fiery furnace. And we can feel that way. And they're thrown in the burning, fiery furnace. Matter of fact, Nebuchadnezzar, he, it says that his countenance was full of anger, and he gave the command, you turn that oven up seven times hotter than normal, and they threw those three guys in, and then Nebuchadnezzar's looking, and he says, how many guys did we throw in there? We threw in three, O king. Well, there's a fourth, and he looks like the son of God. And it was Jesus that was in that burning, fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he is with you in the fiery trials that you go through. And it was Nebuchadnezzar, we'll go over it here later this year and next year. They said, come out, guys, come out of the burning, fiery furnace. I think they would have stayed there with Jesus. They came out. They weren't hurt. The only thing that was burnt with the ropes that had them bound up. And the Lord, as he's doing a refining work in your life, the only thing that's going to burn up are the things that need to burn up. But I want you to know this. He is with you. And it is in those fiery trials as an opportunity for you to have sweet, deep fellowship with the Lord just as they experienced it. He is faithful. He is good. David wrote in Psalm 131 verse 15 that 
during a time of great adversity, says, my times are in your hands. I like that. My times, the time that I'm going through is in your hands, Lord. And of course, Jesus would say that we're in the Father's hand and no one will pluck us out. And we can trust him and rest in him. And David, at the end of that psalm, in Psalm 31, would write, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. He wants to strengthen us and establish us. So number one, remember that God is great and awesome. Number two, God is with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Back to Joshua chapter 1 in the verses that we read, that be established in God's word. It's a familiar theme that, that we've heard already in this series, that he's talking to you know, the Lord, to Joshua. You're going to lead the people in. There's battles ahead for you and fortified cities that you're going to face and giants that are ahead of you. But the word of God, for you to be prosperous, you need to be established and meditate on the word of God day and night. Notice that as we read there in Joshua chapter 1, that it would be Joshua that was told that you meditate on the word of God and, verse 8, to do and observe according to all that is written, not just knowing the word of God, but having it worked out in your life is what you're to do. And that will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. And there's just a lot of teachings and, you know, the prosperity theology and gospel, which is not the gospel, by the way. You just plant your seed faith and you'll be prosperous. You'll be successful, healthy and wealthy. Listen, you want to be prosperous. You want to be successful in the best sense of the word. You get established in God's word. And that's what Joshua was told. You meditate on it day and night, and you do according to all is written in it. You walk in obedience. And it's important that not only do we know the word, but we're doers of the word, as James says, apply it to our lives. Remember that it was Jesus when he finished the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He said, be the wise man who hears these sayings of mine and does them. He's likened the one that built his house upon the rock. And when the storm came, that is, the rains descended and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against the house, that house was able to stand. Don't be like the fool who built upon the sand. It's like the one who hears these sayings of mine but does not do them. Because when the storm came, great was the fall of that house. So the question for me as we finish this year and go into a new year, and the question for you is this, what are you building on? What are you going to build on in the new year? The world's wisdom, the world's philosophy, the world's way, the world's deception, which is getting more confusing than ever before. The world's getting to where it's so messed up and mixed up and changing constantly. It is dark out there and it's getting darker. Are we going to build our lives upon, you know, the TV talk shows? Oprah and Dr. Phil or whoever, the radio talk shows or the talking heads on the 24-hour news work, you know, that are on constantly. And listen, I'm not telling you don't be informed, that you can't listen to the news. But what are we going to build our lives on? Are we going to build our lives on all the posts and videos and tags on Instagram and Facebook? And the question for all of us, and this for me, is how much time do we spend on those things? How many hours? 
And then how much time do we spend in reading the word of God? The undefiled, inherent, inspired, infallible, pure word of God. And to believe that God's word is sufficient for our lives. That it is truth, an absolute truth. And then have the word of God being worked out in our hearts. So it's worked out in our lives as we walk with him. And then we're able to stand in the storms that come our way. And we all know that storms will come our way. So number one, realize that God is great and awesome. Number two, that he'll never leave you or forsake you. He's with you. Number three, be established in his word. Number four, you can write down God's grace is sufficient. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll read to you from verse 7 to verse 10. As Paul, after he talks about his vision of paradise that he went up into the third heaven, he begins to say this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, And least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So number four, you can write down that God's grace is sufficient. So Paul talking about this thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. It was painful. It was very difficult. It was hard for Paul. What was the thorn in the flesh? Well, we don't know. He doesn't specifically say. Uh, scholars and commentators say, well, perhaps it could have been physical infirmities that he was going through. Paul, there's indication in Scripture he had some kind of eye disease, runny eyes. And in his first epistle to the Galatian churches, at the end he says, see how I write large letters to you. That perhaps he had that eye disease on his first missionary journey also that he was stoned and left for dead. And I think it was at that time when he was in Lystra, when they came and they stoned him, they dragged him out of the city, it says. They dragged him out of the city to throw him into the garbage heap. And he gets up and he goes back into the city. I think it was at that time that he went into the third heaven where he saw paradise. Maybe it was the physical infirmities. You get stoned and left for dead, you're going to have some problems. That you're going to really be hurting for the rest of your life. Maybe it was people. He had people come against him. He mentions at the end of his life, Alexander the coppersmith. Those who did him much harm. It seemed like he, he went through such persecution by the hands of his brethren and others. We know that wherever Paul went, it seemed like a riot broke out or revival. Sometimes both did. In Ephesus, revival and then a riot broke out. So maybe it was people coming against him. Or, of course, Satan himself, what he says. That the, the, Satan was just constantly coming at him. And as he says, a thorn in the flesh. I'm not talking about a rosebush thorn. But it speaks of a tent stake about 18 inches long. That would really be very, very painful and troublesome. And I am so glad that Paul doesn't say what it is, what the thorn in the flesh is, because whatever we face, we need to know this, that God's grace is sufficient.
God was working to keep Paul humble, lest I be exalted above measure, verse 7. And we can have a tendency to boast. But Paul would learn in his trials, and he went through a lot of them, that God's grace is sufficient. He kept going because he marveled at God's grace. He knew that God's grace expresses God's acceptance and pleasure in us, his love and approval. God's grace could meet Paul's need for him to be strong when he was weak. God's grace, that heaven is real, that his love is real, and his word is given to us that is true, and we can be established in that word. Paul was boasting in God's grace, the power of Christ may rest upon me. He was writing to those who were boasting in their own strength and intellect and abilities and appearance. In 2 Corinthians, I love this letter because he's just pouring out his heart to the Corinthians. He says, the more I love you guys, the less I am loved by you. Because they were given in to these guys that were called the most eminent apostles. And they boasted in their, their appearance. They boasted in their intellect. They boasted in even their speech. And they said, don't listen to Paul. His speech is contemptible. Look, he, he wears those sweaty tent-making clothes. Paul says that we didn't come peddling the word of God to you. But we came faithfully to serve you, bring the gospel to you. And I love this epistle as he's talking about that the Lord that I'm not going to boast in my own abilities. Paul was a scholar himself, but he writes, I boast in Christ. And God was bringing him to that point of completely depending upon him. And that's where God wants us to be. Sometimes Christians think that maturity comes when we become somewhat independent. I'll figure it out. I'm so smart. I don't need to go to the Lord. I got it together. No, we need his grace so that when I am weak, he makes me strong. And we will all go through that times where we feel weak and fatigued and discouraged. And I need your grace, Lord, every single day in every area of my life. Number five, quickly. I can't, can't pass this up. Again, a familiar theme in verse eight. He says that, uh, that I pleaded with the Lord three times prayer. Prayer is so vital in the life of a Christian, like we talked about in week one. Be a man and woman of prayer. Go to the Lord. Seek him. He invites us to come to him, to call out to him, to ask, to give our supplication and prayers with thanksgiving. And let our request be known to him that the peace of God that passes understanding will guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Paul was a man who prayed. Be a man or woman of prayer. Set time aside to really pray to the Lord and go to him. Talk with him. To be in the word. He wants us to, to come to him and give our supplications and prayers and he desires for us to do that. And it will help you in your time where you're going through difficulties. Don't pull away. As I've said before, I've had people in my office saying, I'm going through such difficulties and such trials. I say, have you prayed about this? No, I haven't prayed about it. I haven't had time. I've been trying to figure out what to do. I say, let's just stop and let's just pray. Let's go to the Lord. So Paul was a man of prayer. And as you pray and as you are established in this word, you will see the grace of God that will make you strong. 
And then number six, this is important. And I hope I articulate this enough to where you're understanding. Because we go through those seasons where we're weak, but the Lord desires for us to be strong. So Joshua chapter 1, going back to that chapter as we go full circle here. That listen... There are people in your life that need you to be strong and of good courage. Parents, your children. Grandparents, your grandchildren. Your family. Friends. Those who are linked to you in your life. That the Lord is going to call you to be strong and of good courage. And you see, at the end of Chapter 1 of Joshua, Moses had come, Deuteronomy chapter 31. Joshua, you're now the new leader. I'm going to die. Be strong and good courage. Chapter 1 here of Joshua, three times the Lord comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, you're now the leader. You're going to go into the promised land. You're going to possess wherever your foot treads. You be strong and good courage. You be strong and good courage. You be strong and good courage. And then at the end of the chapter, let me read it to you, as the people come to Joshua, and they answer Joshua saying, all that you command us we will do, and whatever you send us we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God will be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. So the people come to Joshua and they say that, Joshua, there's one thing that we ask. We'll heed your voice. We'll follow you. But this is what we ask of you. You be strong and good courage. You be strong and good courage. And there are going to be those times when everybody else is stepping back, that the Lord's going to speak to you and say, I want you to step forward. And I want you to be strong and courageous to your family, with your kids, and doing what is right, doing what is decent, and how you treat people, how you live your life, to step forward in the difficulties that people are going through. That he's going to call you to step forward. And it isn't, oh, I'm going to be so tough. You know, I'm going to grit my teeth and eat glass and spit nails and all of this. It is, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. When I'm with parents that are told that you need to go in and they're prepping your daughter for surgery who got in a car accident and they need to say goodbye to her because she's probably not going to make it. That you need to step forward when those parents have lost a child. That you need to step forward when people are hurting and a spouse has been betrayed. That you need to step forward when you stand in a river holding a lifeless four-year-old boy with his father. There are people that need you to be strong and of good courage. To step forward.
So what are you building on? What are you listening to? Who are you calling out to? And in this year, he desires to do that work in you and in us because the world desperately needs it. And the people linked to you in your life need to see you be strong and of good courage. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for these exhortations given to us. And I pray that we would, Lord, this week as we finish this year, maybe some of us get to slow down a little bit. That we would take the time to go and meet with you. Spend time with you. As we talk about new beginnings or resolutions, whatever, that we would say, Lord, help me to be established in your promises, to be established in you, your word. know that you are great and awesome and you said you'll never leave me or forsake me and I don't have to be afraid to know that your grace is sufficient so Lord do that work in me because I need you it's a work of the spirit and a dependency upon you to help me be light to be the parent you called me be, the grandparent, to minister to my family, to minister to those at work and friends, to be light in the darkness, to bring wisdom in the confusion. Lord, to be used of you, but I need you. To be the man of God, the woman of God you called me to be. So, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word given to us. And I pray in this new year that truly that we would have this, Lord, dependency upon you and knowing that you desire to work in us strength and courage in the midst of a world that's going crazy. I pray that we would look to you every day and in every situation. Lord, I do want to pray if there's anyone here, you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, that he is your salvation. With men, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. You can't save yourself. But Jesus came, and that's the great salvation message of Christmas, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came to this world born in Bethlehem he was born so he would die for you and die on that cross for your sins and we're all sinners he rose from the grave he was put into a tomb for three days after his death he rose again and he conquered sin and death he validated what he did on that cross when he cried out it is finished he did the work he paid the price now you come in faith the free gift of salvation as you come and call out on the name of the Lord and believe in your heart 
that he died for your sins. And as you believe and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, will you come? Come. He's calling you. He loves you. He wants to save you and forgive you and bring you into right relationship with the Father. And you can pray, Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe you came and you died for me personally in your life. You're not only the Savior of the world, but I ask you would be my Savior and my Lord personally. I thank you for hearing my prayer, forgiving me in this new beginning. I want to know you and walk with you all the days of my life. Father, that you bless everyone here as we go our way. And in the new year, with new beginnings, that we would just grow in your love and grace and in your strength. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Would you please stand? If anybody made a decision for the Lord... Pastor John's here to pray with you. We want to minister to you. Hey, if I don't see you this week, I'll see you next year, okay? But I hope you can make it Friday. If, if not, God bless you. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us in the new year. Travis is going to close us, and then we'll be dismissed.